What's up, cool cats and cuties? This is the Promenade Merchants Podcast, a Star Trek podcast out on the frontier. So sit down and grab a rock to Gino as David Majors and Heather Kirby talk all things Star Trek. Old, new, and what's to come. The Promenade Merchants are open for business. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Promenade Merchants Podcast, episode 43. We are your cool, scrappy, underdog Star Trek podcast, totally independent. I'm David Majors. I'm joined by my co-host, Miss Heather Kirby. It's been a little bit. We took a break for the holidays, but what's up, Heather? How's it going? You know, it, it's going really good. I think I really needed that break. Like you and I were talking before we started recording and you're in desperate need of a break. It's just that time of the year where everybody just needs to, to chill out and relax and like slow down so they don't end up having a warp core breach. So I think that's where we're both kind of at right now. My structural integrity is getting pretty weak, uh, I will admit. Uh, and given that I do host multiple podcasts as well, uh, I am kind of feeling like it might be time for a little break. Don't worry, everybody. We've still got plenty of Star Trek to talk about, and we won't be gone for too long. We, we do this about every two weeks anyway, so we'll be back. That It won't be too long of a break, I don't think, because we've got so much star trek to talk about we are still in the midst of this star trek renaissance this silver age of star trek if you will heather and we're gonna jump in we're gonna talk about a lot later on that's happening right now but first as we always do on the promenade merchants podcast we like to start with the old business uh, where we talk a little bit about the classic Star Trek, where we might bring up everything from Lucille Ball all the way up to J.J. Abrams and the Kelvin movies. And we'll jump into new business and upcoming business a little bit later on. Now, I'm glad you brought this one up for old business, Heather, because I recently, over the holiday break started getting caught up with some classic Star Trek. I've been watching a little TNG. I've been watching a little Voyager. I've been watching a little Enterprise, uh, even though this is a DS9-themed kind of podcast. Uh, I've been watching some classic Star Trek, and I really liked this topic you brought up, Heather. So tell us a little bit about what we've got for old business. Okay, so, you know, I was thinking, because I always try to think of topics that we can correlate, so we have a little bit of theme to our show, you know. So, the theme I was going with today was favorite seasons of Star Trek, because we, I mean, we like to look at characters, we like to look at shows, we like to look at episodes, but it's like, especially for episodic Trek, uh, you don't always look at seasons as a whole um but there are definitely some standout seasons of older star trek to talk about uh so favorite seasons seasons it's 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 the time for seasons uh you know uh so favorite seasons of star trek for me personally 
Um, there are definitely th- three, well, technically four that popped into my head, but uh, I'm going to leave the fourth one for you because I have a feeling you're going to mention it. Uh, so three in particular that came up and that would be uh, Voyager season four. It's the introduction of seven of nine. I think it really refreshed the show and ended up being the, one of the best seasons of all, all of Voyager is season four. Um, TOS season one. I think that has some of the most classic and legendary episodes of Star Trek of all time uh, coming the very first season ever of Star Trek. And then I wanted to give a little bit of love to Enterprise season three, because I personally really love the Zindi arc. I think it, it was something new and different. And there's a lot of lessons to be learned for what the Enterprise crew goes through in that Zindi arc in season three. So a uh, lot of love for Enterprise season three. I'm glad you mentioned Enterprise Season 3 and TOS Season 1. I did not put those on my list because I had a feeling you would mention both of those. (laughs) Uh, The season of Voyager you picked, however, Season 4. Now, when I was looking around and I was really thinking on, on Voyager, the season that came to mind that stood out for me personally, was season two. Really? Yeah. And I will admit, kind of like you with Z- the Zindi, I really liked the Kazon. I thought they were a good early nemesis for the crew of the Voyager. I liked the early seasons of Voyager quite a bit. And I think everything up to and including Voyager had some really good standalone episodes. And we had some really good character building episodes and some really enjoyable things. So for me, I feel like Voyager kind of found its footing pretty early in season two. Also, uh, for DS9 and TNG, uh, both of them, season five. Uh, I think that... After season four of The Next Generation, uh, I think that season five was exceptional. I think everyone knows seasons three and onward were really the peak of Star Trek The Next Generation. But when I started looking through episodes, the ones that I saw that I remember enjoying the most were from season five. And of course, this is maybe my favorite season of star trek to date although by the time discovery season four is done and over with we might be having a different conversation and that is season five of deep space nine i think that season five had a good balance of the dominion war and standalone episodes on the station and it told a lot of really great stories I think there were a lot of really great stories in DS9 Season 5. Also, I want to give a quick nod, even though this still is under kind of recent new business. I think in a few years, we're going to be talking quite a bit about Discovery Season 3, Heather. I think we're going to look back on Discovery Season 3 as 
as a really good one. I I, I think so too, um, particularly with Discovery season three and season four, because I, I know as much as I love Discovery, there's episodes in season one and season two that don't completely hit the mark, um, that definitely fall below the other episodes. When it comes to looking at season three and season four, I have a hard time. Um, well, with season three in particular, I have a hard time picking out episodes that really stand out to me because I kind of feel similar about all of them. There's not any that fall below, uh, but there's not any that are like, oh, yeah, that that one's really good. Like, I really kind of love the whole arc of season three all the same. <laughs> Um, and it's going into season four, I, I feel very similarly about season four. There hasn't been really ep- any episodes where I looked at it and was just kind of like, eh, no, that, that's definitely below the mark for me. Uh, they're definitely the past two episodes of season four, though, um, have really uh, hit its groove and are probably some of my favorite episodes of all time of Discovery. But we're going to talk about that in new business. We will. So if you're a new Star Trek fan and you're listening to this podcast, we just gave you some recommendations of seasons of all of the Star Trek series to watch from the original series all the way up to Discovery. And yeah, if you check out Lower Decks and Picard's first seasons, check those out. Let us know on Twitter at PromTrackPod. Send us an email at PromenadeTrackPod at gmail.com. Let us know if you check any of those out. If you have an episode from a season that we didn't mention, if you think we got it wrong, let us know. Join the conversation. Love to hear from you. And we're going to jump into new business uh, right on time for Star Trek Discovery Season 4 to go on a mid-season break as i mentioned in the old business segment i think discovery season three was a really strong season but i'm gonna go ahead and say it heather star trek discovery season four is one of the best seasons of star trek i think maybe ever and i think it's one of the best seasons of television i've watched in a long long time you know, I, I would definitely, I'd agree. Um, season four is just, it, it has once again raised the bar for what you can do in a Star Trek show. And the power of this show to really deal with, like, complicated issues head on and normalize, like, getting help it, it, it it's just it, it's something really incredibly powerful to watch these issues of mental health and identity and uh like dealing with fear and emotions um it, it's it's moving it moves me every single episode and look i i like because people who know me they they know i work late so I get off work at 2 a.m. in the morning, which is like by the time I get home from work is just about the time the new episode is loading on Paramount Plus on Thursday mornings. Okay. 
I used to. I was so excited to watch Discovery. I would sit there and watch it as soon as I got home. I actually have not been doing that this year because these <gasps> – no, no, no. Listen, because these episodes are so <laughs> powerful and emotional that if I sit there and watch this episode as soon as my ass got home, I would not be able to fucking fall asleep. <laughs> See, okay. I'm completely in the opposite direction. <laughs> I wake up in the morning because I'm going to work at 8.30 a.m. Yeah. So for Discovery, I'm waking up at like 6 in the morning Eastern time. And the only thing all day if I watch Discovery in the morning is I'm thinking about how quickly I can get home and rewatch that episode. Because I'm just like, this is so compelling and so drawing me in that i immediately want to rewatch it exactly like i would not be able to fall asleep i'd be fucking tired <laughs> and i want to be able to watch it and process and just like completely soak in everything that's going on in these episodes because they're that good they really are. They are that good and they're that thought provoking. And I just can't do it after getting off of work after being there for like 11 hours. Okay. I can't do it. So uh, I, I haven't been doing it the past few weeks and I, I'm okay with that <laughs> because I want to enjoy these. And enjoying them is just a, a gift. What can we say? There's, there's been so much. Uh, the DMA, Paul Stamets, Tarka, the scientist. I have praised book David Ajala every episode this season. Uh, Wilson Cruz as Dr. Culber, just phenomenal. President Rillick, Saru and President Tirana of Navarre. There's just been so much about this season that's been so good. A lot of the the story of the DMA has been some really good deep science. You know, not quite hard sci-fi, but it's really, really good and really in-depth science fiction. And it's just really high-level TV, and this season has just been terrific. Okay. It's 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 really hard to pin down one thing about this season that I've really liked the most or one thing that's been the most interesting because the whole season has just been outstanding. Well, we're just going to jump into the discussion now. Uh, like I I'm just going to take points and we're going to roll with it because you mentioned Tarka. I got thoughts about Tarka, okay? I do not trust him. He he is he just gives off this vibe of not well intentioned. <laughs> you know, like I, I I get that he's smart and I get that he's a scientist, but you know this is like Discovery is a science vessel. There's a lot of smart people on Discovery. There's been a lot of smart people on the show since day one, and he is the first one that gave off a vibe that there's some bad intentions behind what he's trying to do. He's the first one that has given that to me. And as much as we got a slight explanation 
at the end of the mid-season finale about how he wants to travel to another universe where there was no Emerald Chain and there's no war. I don't fully believe that. I'm not falling for that. Because I don't buy it at all. There, there, I don't buy it at all. There's something more there, like how he pulled the knowledge of this device and he just he automatically knew it it it, it, it like he he knows more than what he's actually putting out there and there's something ill intentioned going on there with him but that's just my thoughts on it i do not buy his story at all but here's the thing in the same way I saw a lot of people that liked Lorca in season one. I kind of find myself very intrigued and interested in Tarka. He is an incredibly smart scientist, number one. Number two, he's very driven for something. Of course, we don't know what it is yet, and we don't believe he has the best intentions, but it's definitely something that I'm interested in seeing. He just has this character that I'm really, really interested in. I want to see what he's about. I want to know his story. I'm not just immediately saying he's a bad guy. I'm kind of like, what's what's he about? What's his story? It's probably not going to have a good ending, but I'd really like to know his story and what has made him this wildly driven scientist who, to his credit, is brilliant. He, he figured out a way to look into the DMA and find out what was going on when nobody else could. And a lot of the stuff he's doing is some really heavy science fiction. And I just find him really fascinating. Now, Heather, mm-hmm. Zora, mm-hmm. I don't trust Zora. Why don't you trust Zora? That's my main question. And I mean, I want you to hear your points first before I, I lay out my argument. So why don't you trust Zora? Okay. And we can definitely go back to Tarka in a minute. Uh, I, they addressed it. When I first saw Zora point out that she was experiencing emotions In that episode, in the turbo lift, where she was talking with Burnham, they had a very distinct musical cue when Zora mentioned she started feeling emotions. And that really stuck in my head. Like, oh, that's this might be serious. And then on the next episode, there was a whole plot of that episode where it was the discussion of Zora's place aboard Discovery because Zora had discovered the coordinates of the species that they believe might be responsible for the DMA. Well, actually, that, 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 that was two episodes later. It was two episodes Two later. episodes later. Yeah, but yeah, okay. But then Zora decided that she didn't want to give away the coordinates. 
And that was like, ooh, that's not good. Here's the ship's computer making a decision. I don't like that. It gives me a little bit of a Hal vibe. I don't like it. And that that's where I felt that's where I stood. And then we go to the next episode where, as I've said many, many times, it was Paul Stamets that was expressing my concerns with Zora of you're saying that you care for the crew of the Discovery. And that's all well and good. And even Dr. Kovich, who I absolutely trust, uh, came around on Zora. And Zora even agreed to enlist in Starfleet, as it were. So she would agree to obey the orders of the captain and follow all Starfleet rules and regulations. And she also gave Stamets the failsafe in case it got to the point where they felt like it might be necessary to eliminate Zora. But this is still a super intelligent, sentient computer with 150,000 years of sphere data. It just feels like Zora is still extremely powerful. And I am wondering if this might turn into a, a computer that feels it knows better how to protect the crew of the Discovery better than the Discovery does themselves. And like Stamets, I want to trust Zora. It's just like he said, control happened. Control was a thing that we all saw happen. And I'm just not there yet. I'm just not there. Okay. So here is why Zora is not evil. <laughs> um, I like, okay, I, I get where you're coming from, but also you're seeing Zora as a computer. You're seeing Zora as a machine. You're not seeing Zora as a sentient creature, which they've made a point in the last episode to really dive into what Zora is. And Zora is more than just the ship's computer. She is truly a sentient being because the sphere was a sentient being. The, the 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 sphere was something other than beyond artificial intelligence, beyond a mechanical machine or android-like intelligence. It was its own unique sentient being. And when combining with Discovery and their computer, it created its own unique sentient being in Zora. So you can't approach Zora like Control or like Hal. She's more like someone like Data or Seven of Nine. Like that's she's that type of character for Discovery, where she's just now learning her identity 
and her emotions and her feelings and how to access and process all that, which is why I really appreciate that they incorporated uh, Grey and Adira into Zora's story over the past couple episodes. Uh, the fact that they used Grey in Stormy Weather to help Zora deal and process with her feelings, I think worked really well because it related to the trans experience when they were talking about how they both chose their own name and how they are, are both learning and understanding their identities. Like that's where I see Zora. I don't see Zora as a computer. I see Zora as I'm something glad unique and more than that. You made the point of mentioning data in Seven of Nine. And when you mentioned data, um, an episode of TNG that I watched uh, yesterday morning came to mind. And you made the comparison to data. And that episode in particular was Brothers. So when you mentioned Data, because this episode is fresh in my mind, it made me think, you're comparing Zora to Data, but I'm thinking, what if Zora might actually be Lore? But that's why it's how Discovery, the, the crew of Discovery react and deal with her. Because what's the difference between data and lore? Well, one, lore had emotions. And two, the planet that Dr. Sung assembled his androids, the colony, they did not take to lore very well. And that kind of twisted lore's mind into something more malevolent and sinister. Okay. So that, 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 that's part of the point here is that it really matters how Discovery handles dealing with Zora and her emotions. Because, yes, Lore had emotions initially, but Data did get emotions down the line when he had matured and grown enough to deal with them. Like but he still struggled at times with it, you know? And when you think about it, like, yes, Zora matured very fast and got emotions quicker, but if she has a support system to help her deal with those emotions, like they showed in the past two episodes, then she's not going to end up like Laura. Okay. You believe that the crew of the Discovery will treat Zora better than the colony treated the Sung androids. And you believe that the crew of the Discovery will react to Zora better than the synths in Picard. I I think uh, the the steps they made in But to Connect uh, goes forward in a positive way when it comes to dealing with Zora because they understood where she was coming from better and they understood how they needed to approach her and also came up with a way for her to agree to follow Starfleet regulations so they don't have this problem in the future. 
Okay. All right. I hear where you're coming from. I hear where you're coming from. Um, Kind of like with me and Tarka, I kind of want to see where he goes. I, I kind of want to see where his story arc takes things. So please uh, tell me what you're thinking about what might happen with Tarka. Where do you think he might be going? Um, I, I ultimately, I think, especially where they left it, um, with book going along with Tarka, I think we're going to end up in a position where, uh, book is the one that has to make a choice because right now he's feeling all of the negative emotions and wanting revenge and, we're going to come to a point in the story where uh, Tarka's motives are fully revealed to book. And he's going to ultimately have to decide where, whether um, he's going to help him go through with it or not, depending on what his uh, intentions truly are. So we're going to get to that point where whatever Tarka is hiding and not fully revealing is going to be revealed to Booker at least. And so he's going to be the one to make the decision whether to, to stop him or not. It's not going to come down to Michael. It's going to come down to book. This really has been Book's season, hasn't it? Oh, this yeah. really has been his season. Yeah. Um, I am very interested in what is going to happen and what Tarka is going to reveal. I acknowledge he's not a good guy. He's really not. But I don't think anybody really acknowledged that Lorca was a good guy in season one either. That didn't make him any less interesting. And that's how I feel about Tarka. He is a mad scientist that I'm very interested in seeing what he's coming up with. I want to know what his what his plan is. You know? Yeah, I, I agree. And it might not be, it might not be bad. It might not be good. Who knows? He might even be telling the truth. We don't really know because he's so, he's such a chess player. He he plays the mind games the way that he does. We don't really even know yet. And speaking of chess players. The Grandmaster that I talked about on a previous podcast, President Rillick, I'm just loving her as a character. I'm absolutely loving President Rillick. And she has been great at playing this balancing act with the Federation and the non-Federation and with Discovery. And I think that it has given Michael Burnham another bit of perspective in that she's learning from all of these different people in different places. And I really think Rillick has shown herself not to be uh, a bad person per se, because so many times in Star Trek, uh, like with Admiral Vance in season three, if it's an Admiral, you don't normally trust them. But with Rillick in season four, She's a politician. She's the president of the Federation. But she has really only done things with 
the bigger picture in mind. And I think she's been my approval rating on president really would be very, very high. I would give her a very high approval rating personally. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, I love Rillick as a character. Um, <laughs> I, I need to dig in some tips about cosplaying because I would totally cosplay as Rillick. Um, I like her that much. I, I think she's definitely um, ha- has proven herself that she has the Federation's best interests. And, you know, she's really... The more she works with Burnham, I think the more she's seeing uh, the good qualities of her and understanding that that she can be a huge asset in diplomacy. Uh, so I, I'm really enjoying Relic so far. Tell me something in season four that you've really enjoyed. <sighs> <laughs> where where to begin um there's a lot there's a lot there is a lot you know i really i think i i'm just the the main thing i'm enjoying about season four is watching michael in the captain's chair i i mean it feels like the show has really found the place where it was supposed to be. And that's Michael being the captain and the leader of discovery and um, just watching her really go all out there um, for her ship and her crew, but also her duty as a a Starfleet captain and for the Federation. Um, Like, like I said, stormy weather and, but to connect or, or the past two episodes have probably hit very high on my list of all time favorite discovery episodes. And, you know, it's been a while since I said I could add episodes to that list. Um, just the end of, of stormy weather when she puts the entire crew in the pattern buffer and stays on the bridge of the ship to make sure they get out of that void. Okay. Um, it, it's, it, it's her very much her captain moment, you know, and I, I got very emotional watching that um, because she deserves that. She deserves the world and she's getting that in season four. I want to talk again, repeatedly about Dr. Culper this season. As much as I've talked about book and David Ajala, Wilson Cruz has been my co-MVP of this season. Dr. Culper has really shined as a therapist uh, in this time of crisis. Uh, He's shown some vulnerability for himself uh, as someone who normally counsels people. Uh, while not completely being okay himself. Uh, I have really grown to love the relationship between him and Paul Stamets. They are two characters that I absolutely love to pieces. I I cannot imagine Discovery without them and without their relationship. And I, I just think that 
this has just been a great, great season for Dr. Culber. And he's, he's been through so much this entire series. Him and Stamets have been through so, so much together and apart. And seeing Culber fully realized as an incredibly strong character has just been terrific. And also gray and adira i was not a fan of gray early on at all oh yeah i remember (laughs) he's shown some maturity and he's shown a a place where he fits in on discovery and he's been able to help the crew of discovery get through some things i am interested in what he's going to do when he returns to trill and I absolutely love seeing Adira as a Starfleet ensign. They are so tilly in the best way possible. Because, again, in the beginning, I didn't like Tilly much either. Yeah. But I like Adira more than I liked Tilly in the beginning. And those are two characters that... As sometimes some TV shows have characters that need to grow on you over time. And both Adira and Grey have grown on me. Well, I'm glad. I'm very glad they have. Because they're both incredible characters. And they're important characters to be a part of this show. They really are. Uh, they, They each hold important stories to tell especially for the lgbtq community so i i'm glad that they have grown on you and you've grown to appreciate how awesome they are i think that they have grown to be important to discovery and important to the show itself they're not so much the lbgtq characters they are a part of the crew now and i think that's what interests me more i I want to see what gray is going to do when he returns to trill uh, and continues his guardian training i want to see what adira is going to do in starfleet Will they get promoted? Will they become a science officer like Tilly? What's going to happen there? Uh, I'm interested in them as individuals and not so much as representations of something. And I'm, I'm definitely rooting for them more now, now that we've gotten time to flesh out their characters. Yes. I'm I'm really glad that their characters got flushed out. I'm really glad. Me too. So I, I, I think that's important when we're talking about flushing out characters because I know Discovery is still getting the same criticism that, oh, we said we were going to see more of the bridge crew and it's just a random member of the bridge crew saying something about their history in the episode and not really fleshing them out. Like there's only so many characters you can flesh out. Like this show has a huge cast and it like, 
there's characters like Gray, like Adira, like Colbert, like Stamets, uh, that don't get the time to fully get as fleshed out as like Michael or Book or Saru or Tilly did. So it's an effort. It's not perfect, but you need to, it's not going to be like as much as you see the bridge crew, like Detmer and Owo and Reese and Bryce, you see them on a regular basis. Um, You don't, they're like the random ensign that took over for Data when he wasn't at the op station in TNG. They're not fully formed members of the the show, and they're they're never going to be at that same level as the ones that come in the title credits. And I think people really need to accept that at this point. Like, yes, I enjoy learning what we can about them because we do see them every episode, but you need to understand that you're not going to get full episodes revolving around them. It's just not going to happen. There's too much going on for it to happen. And so I appreciate the characters that we are getting fleshed out instead of focusing on the ones that we're just never going to fully get there. I akin it to Nurse Ogawa on the next generation with the rest of the discovery bridge crew. Uh, she was, a, a lot of people know she was Dr. Beverly Crusher's head nurse. She would have lines of dialogue. She would interact, but she wasn't a main regular cast cast member. But people knew who she was. People knew who Nurse Ogawa was. And because Discovery has such a large cast, I think that's okay, isn't it? I definitely okay. think that's All okay. Right. Okay. And we're I'm a big fan of anytime I get to see Nurse Ogawa in TNG, I'm always excited. So I'm okay with that too. Um Yeah. Star Trek Discovery season four. It's been it's been fantastic. I, I think I think we covered it all, haven't we? Yes, I think we have. Is the fandom going to lose its mind when we see Saru and uh, President Tarina do whatever a Kelpian and a Vulcan do? Are we going to lose our minds? Um, In the best of ways. Yes. <laughs> in the best of uh, ways. I love that people are rooting for the two of them because I think that's so beautiful. It's a, a mixed race alien romance between an older man and an older woman. And that's something so unique and beautiful. And I love that the fans are rooting for this. They really are. And oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, they're going to lose their minds in the best of ways. Definitely. Okay. February 10th is a long way away. <laughs> it really is. But we still have new Star Trek to talk about between now and then. We do. Yeah. And we're going to talk about it in upcoming business. Because on the recent episode of The Ready Room, our boy Will Wheaton 
gave us a little quick teaser trailer, just a taste of the upcoming seat, uh, returning Star Trek Prodigy. It was a very quick little teaser where we saw Dell and I believe my favorite character, Jenga Pog, <laughs> going through what looked like a training simulation put on by holographic Janeway that transported them to a hologram that resembled the Enterprise D galaxy class starship. It was the Enterprise D. And it had a few very familiar music cues and it looked like a training exercise and it was very exciting. It was like, okay, we're we're doing some Star Trek now. We're we're doing some real Star Trek. And I for the first time, I really got excited for Prodigy because I want to see how the crew of the Proto Star does in something that is very, very close to the Star Trek that we know because they've been so separate from that. Now seeing them incorporate a little bit into that, I'm very excited. I am just ex- excited to see the crew of the Proto Star again. Um, the, the, these guys are adorable. I have fallen in love with every single one of them so quickly. Even Jacob Pog. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. But they're just there's so much fun and there's so much there's so much to love in this show and it's it, it's so bright and wonderful and yeah i i definitely got excited seeing them on a galaxy class bridge so i'm looking forward to seeing what happens next with prodigy it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun and i'm glad you are finally really excited for it too for what it's worth, I like everything about Prodigy so far, except Jankenpog. <laughs> I like everything else. Everything else about Prodigy has been great. I really like Dell. I like Dell a lot. I like the story that they were telling on the planet that almost ate them. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in seeing where they go. I'm interested in seeing the Proto Star and how powerful a ship it is. I'm interested in all of these things about Prodigy, just not a fan of Jengam Pog. Just not a fan. <laughs> insert, not a fan. <laughs> insert Lucille Bluth meme here. <laughs> I don't I like. I don't Jankum care Pog. for Jengam Pog. <laughs> but that's not all we've got for upcoming business, Heather. You've got some news. Oh, see, I just wanted to get all excited and rant about the fact that. I bought my airline tickets for Star Trek Mission Chicago in April. So it is definitely happening. I am going. I got my convention tickets. I got my airline tickets. You booked our hotel. We are going to Chicago. I'm really pumped. Like it 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 it, it the more you add to the trip coming together, the more it it's like I cannot wait to go. I cannot wait to meet so many people who I have gotten to know and become incredibly close to, but I have never met in person yet. I can't wait to meet you all at Star Trek Mission Chicago. Um, I, I'm just I'm thrilled about it. So I got my airline tickets. Prom Trek Pod is heading to Chicago, man. 
We certainly are. I will be driving because it's only about a four-hour drive for me to Chicago. I got the hotel. Uh, I got my convention badge. And, oh, yes, we will be cosplaying. You better believe it. Uh, I don't think I'll be able to get the cool guy Bormler cosplay that I've wanted <laughs> to do. I don't think I'll be able to pull that off. But I definitely have some cosplays in mind. And, yeah, it's going to be awesome. And I will do my best to be on my very best behavior to not embarrass Heather. <laughs> Nothing I just said there was true. I'm going to be an absolute goof at Mission <laughs> Chicago and I can't wait I am going right. to be like the crazy person who like suddenly starts screaming across the hall because I see someone I know and I'm really excited to see <laughs> so, I am going me. to be the person that might have had one or two too many sips of uh, Romulan ale and will be up on the bar table leading a sing-along of Faith of the Heart. That's my goal. Let's make it happen. I think it has to. I think it has to. We, we, I just spoke it into existence. Now it has to happen. Yep. All right. Let's wrap up. Uh, I talked about how February 10th, Discovery will return from its mid-season break. And after Prodigy finishes its first season, Discovery will wrap up its fourth. And whoo-wee, this, this has been, again, it's been a heck of a season. And February 10th is a ways away, in my opinion. But only because this season has been so good. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, like I said, we will, we will have discovery, or we will have prod, new prodigy every week until uh, discovery comes back. So it's only five weeks away, uh, but I, I just, I'm looking forward to the many glimpses of what we saw coming. Um, we will get to see Commander Nan again, which is really exciting. I love Nan as a character. I know there's a hell of a lot of love out there for Nan as well. So uh, we will get to see Commander Nan again. We will get to see Tilly in her new role as a teacher at Starfleet Academy, which I'm really looking forward to as well. Um, I, I, do think that Tilly still has a large role to play in Discovery and where her story goes will depend on what happens when we see her next. So I'm looking forward to seeing what happens there. And I'm just, I like we, we talked about it before. I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen with book and Tarka. I think um, Tarka, We'll come to a point in the season where Tarka's plans and everything that he knows will be revealed and Book will ultimately be the one that has to make a decision as to the type of person he is and ultimately what he needs to do. And I I think it's really important that, that Book is the one that that's focusing on. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. Agreed. And even after all of that is done, we'll still have Picard 
season two to look forward to. So <laughs> yeah. we're going to be talking about a lot of Star Trek in 2022. And you're going to hear about it right here on the Promenade Merchants podcast, where you can listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Heather, thank you so much for doing this podcast with me. It is always a joy every single time. All 43 episodes of this have been an absolute joy, and I cannot thank you enough. So let everybody know what you're doing, where they can find you, and what you've got going on. All right. Well, you can find me on Twitter at NerdyGal33. Me and our dear friend of the podcast, Annika, have started tentative talks and plans for a Law & Order SVU podcast. So we're working out some of the details right now. We're brainstorming. We've finally hit the brainstorming stage instead of just talking about how we wanted to do it. We've hit a brainstorming stage. So um, it's getting closer. Uh, You can also keep an eye out because I've recently guested on another host of or another episode of Trek Ranks, which is actually how I came up with the favorite season topic. I can't tell you what the topic that I talked about on Trek Ranks is, but uh, that's how the favorite season topic for our old business popped into my head. So keep an eye out for that because that will probably be coming within like two weeks or so. So uh, shout out to Jim. Thank you once again for having me on. You are awesome. I know you listen to this show. Thank you for tuning into our lovely little show every week. And Thank you, Jim. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, that's about it. I'm just working my ass off besides all this other stuff. But, you know, honestly, talking about fandom and the stuff I love is what keeps me sane throughout all the busyness of my job and work life and things. So I look forward to things like this every day. And like I said, sometimes you just need a break. You don't want to hit that warp core meltdown. We all get that. We're glad that everyone who listened to this is gets that that even though like this is our outlet and our relaxation sometimes you need a break from that too so uh just do what you love people do what you love that's what matters well said heather once again everybody check out this very podcast at prom trek pod on twitter send us an email at promenade trek pod at gmail.com we'd really appreciate it I'm going to take a little bit of shore leave. I'm going to take a little vacay from my several other podcasts, but we'll be back because there's still a lot of Star Trek to talk about. And this is the franchise that shaped me as a person since I was six years old. So I'm incredibly happy that it's back. And the Promenade Trek podcast is not going away. That is a promise. So for Heather... I'm David, and until next time, which really won't be that long, really, live long and censors. <laughs> <laughs>